In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes and calls us Emmanuel. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, what's your name? It's a pretty normal question, and it's a question around this time of year. Your name becomes, well, something that's kind of important, because at least if you're in my family, what often happens is we all gather around together on Christmas morning or on Christmas Eve, depending on how schedules go, and we'll all gather around the Christmas tree, and we'll read the Gospel of Luke, and we'll pray together, and then after that, it's time to open presents. And one person in my family was always designated Santa. And that person got to be the stand-in for Santa and to be the one who gets to go up to the Christmas tree and to pull out a present. And they would look at that present and it had to be somebody who was old enough to read. Or at least smart enough to read. (laughs) And they would look at the name and they would say, Jay. Or they would say, Jesse, my brother. Or they would say, Walt. And depending on whose name was called, that meant that you were getting a present. And so your name began to mean something very special around Christmas time. Well, our names are all kind of special actually. Our names all tell people things about who we are and things about really our identity. And so there's this essence of you that is found in your name. Now your name doesn't tell people everything about who you are, nor does everything that you are that can't all be contained in just your name. But there is a little bit of a correlation there. If I think to myself, your name, then you are going to come up in my mind. If I think to myself, well, I know this person, then everything that I know about you is going to be attached to that name. And so our names mean something very important to us. And our names tell people things about us subjectively and objectively as well. I can tell you that my name is J. Allen Winters, and that tells you many things about who I am if you dig deep enough. You see, I can tell you that my last name is Winters. Now that can tell you that I probably have an ancestry that goes back to either Germany, Denmark, or England. And if you know the rest of my family, that means that you know that I have some of these familial characteristics both in the way that I appear and in my attitudes. And so my name, Winters, tells you something about who I am. And my middle name, Alan, tells you something about at least my family history. I'm named after my grandfather who was one of the the people that came away from the Church of Christ and became a Lutheran. And so that's really sort of the beginning of when my family was Lutheran. And we have all of this sort of going back further and further from just 
my middle name and my last name. And then you get to find out what my first name is. My first name is Jay, which, if you ask me about it, I am not nicknamed Jay. That is actually the name that's on my birth certificate, and there's a reason for that. The reason for it is that my father was named Walter, and he hated his nicknames. Absolutely hated Wally and all of that stuff that he got called in. So he said, I am going to name my child something that will never be able to be nicknamed. J. Three letters, one syllable, no nicknames. In order to nickname me, they had to duplicate my name to make me JJ. And so, some aspects of my personality and who I am come out in my name. And it's probably the same thing with you when you look at what your name is. It tells you some things about how your parents thought you were going to be when you were born. Or it tells you something at least about your parents, if not about you. It tells you something about your history. It tells you something about who you are. In fact, they've even done studies, and they say that according to how you're named, that actually does drive a little bit of how people see you in their first impressions. And so, if you're named Helga you're going to have a certain first impression. And if you're named Tiffany, there's going to be another first impression. Or if you're named Robert, or if you're named Frank, or if you're named whatever. Your name tells people something about who you are, even if they don't know who you are at first. As soon as they find out what your name is, that tells you something. Of course, there are times when perhaps some of us have remembered being ashamed of our names. Sometimes where our name we knew was the identification of who we were and perhaps something that we did. Maybe you have to reach all the way back to when you were a kid, and you remember the only times that you were ever called by your full name, J. Allen Winters. It was a bad thing. If that middle name came out, that was an indication that something bad had happened and that you had done it. Of course... For some of us, then, we look back into our history and there's other times when we can recognize that, well, our name is attached to something that we probably don't want. Maybe a speeding ticket. Maybe something worse. Maybe you've had the unfortunate experience of bill collectors calling you and using your name and you get to that point where you're a little bit ashamed of your name. Well, you see, there's some shame that's happening in the names of Joseph and Mary at this time. In this time, there's something that's, that's gone awry, it seems. Because in our Gospel lesson, Matthew tells us that Joseph had espoused, he had engaged to be married this woman named Mary. And that's a joyous, joyous thing. And normally what would happen is that you would have to be, have to be engaged or espoused is actually probably a better term for 90 days. 
And the whole reason for you to be engaged or espoused for 90 days is because after 90 days, if you were pregnant, well, it'd be sort of obvious. And all of a sudden, Mary shows up and she's pregnant. Now, Joseph has some options here, and all of them are sort of shameful. Basically, what he thinks to himself probably at first is that, well, he's done a bad job of choosing a wife. And Mary is probably just as ashamed, even though she knows that there's nothing to be ashamed of. She knows that there is certain shame in the fact that she is now with child, and she's not actually married. And they're both dealing with this sense of shame. And Mary goes off to her cousin's house. And Joseph is left wondering what to do. Now Matthew tells us that Joseph was both a righteous man and that he did not want Mary to experience shame. And so he knew that as a righteous man he couldn't marry this woman that had gotten pregnant and it wasn't his kid. He knew that. So he, he wouldn't stay married to her. But he also knew that he, he didn't want her to go through the shame of being called an adulteress. And so he devised this plan to divorce her quietly. And that way, hopefully, maybe most of the shame would be, well, assuaged a little bit. Most of the shame would go away. Some of it would stick. But most of it, at least, would go away. And then... An angel comes to Joseph in a dream. And he says, do not fear. Which is sort of an odd thing to say. But he says, do not fear. For the child is of the Holy Spirit. And you, by the way, will name him Jesus. Because he's going to save his people. And surely, when Joseph got up from this dream, he probably was going back and forth in his mind about, well, do I stay, and what does that mean for shame, and how do I do this, and what? And he had to balance the, the shame of knowing the situation with the potential of knowing what this little baby could be. He had to deal with the shame but he also had to deal with the joy. He had to deal with the joy of knowing that he maybe wasn't the father of this child, but he was going to be the stepfather to God, which is a pretty heavy load to put on somebody. There was shame there. There is also joy. And that's probably the way that we live most of our lives all the time. With a certain amount of shame that kind of runs in the background of who we are. A certain amount of shame of things that have been linked to our name. Maybe rightfully, maybe wrongfully, but we carry around at times this sense that we know that we haven't done everything right. And that's because we're sinners. It really shouldn't surprise us that there's shame there. But it is a tough thing to carry. But we also carry this other thing. 
We also carry this other name, in fact. This name of Jesus. If you're in here and you are a baptized child of God, one thing that was probably said to you is that you have received the name of Christ. You have received the identity of Christ. That when God looks at you, He says, that sure looks a lot like Jesus. Because what happened to you in baptism is that your identity and Jesus' identity, they were put together. And Jesus took your shame and your sin and He died with that upon the cross. And then when you raised up out of those waters of baptism, all that God sees is this clean, beautiful person who has been washed clean by the blood of a Savior. There's a TV show out there that probably at least a few of you have seen. It's called Mad Men. And Mad Men is the story of these executives in an advertising firm on Madison Avenue in New York. These people who began the advertising industry for our nation. And they're all sort of led by this protagonist, this character named Don Draper. Of course, when you watch it a little bit farther, you find out that that's not actually his name. I hope I'm not ruining this for anybody. It's kind of a minor plot thing anyway. It's not actually his name, though. His name is actually Dick Whitman. But he got the name Don Draper in an interesting sort of way. You see, Dick Whitman was actually the son of a prostitute who died in childbirth. And when she died, she left Dick to his biological father, who was a bit of a loser, and went from this job to that job. And he grew up in obscurity, always being known as the son of this prostitute who died. And his life just looked like it was taking this downward turn from the very moment that it began. But Dick was able to get into the Korean War in the army. And when he went into the Korean War, he was a private. And he was assigned to this guy named Don Draper, this lieutenant engineer whose job it was to build a field hospital out in the middle of the Korean War. Well, one day, as Don was digging a trench... Enemy fire started to come in. And the shells were exploding all around them. And Dick and Don were both there together. And all of a sudden it seemed like the shells had stopped. And they were both there together. And they realized that they had been spared at least this one time. And so they sat down and they began to smoke cigarettes together. And the real Don Draper lit his cigarette. And then Dick Whitman lit his cigarette and accidentally dropped it. And it fell into this pool of gasoline which then began to ignite and ignited all the way over to the explosives that they were using. And the explosion went boom. And the next scene that you see is that there is this charred body that is completely unidentifiable. And there's Dick Whitman. 
And he takes his opportunity. He takes off his dog tags. He takes off the dog tags of Don Draper. He puts Dick Whitman's dog tags on Don Draper. And he takes Don Draper's dog tags and becomes that man. That's your story. That's the story of your baptism. That you have a Savior. This Emmanuel who comes to you in a crib. This Savior who comes into your life with His own identity, an identity as the Son of God, an identity as being completely without sin. And He dies upon a cross that deforms Him in so many unimaginable ways. And in your baptism, you rise out of that with His dog tags on. With His identity. And so this name that He is called means even more. This name, Emmanuel, that He is called means so much more when you understand that He truly is God with you. God's own identity put upon you. That's why we celebrate this Advent. That's why we celebrate this Christmas. That's why we celebrate this name, Emmanuel. Because God Himself came to us in this world, made His identity known, and then gave it to us. And that's a reason to rejoice. Amen.